Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bookends with Friends. This is your co-host, Parker Moon. This is the god of freckles and sunscreen, Brett Irvin. <laughs> this is your co-host, Daniel Phillips. Uh, how's everybody doing today? I'm still stuck on uh, freckles and sunscreen over there. That was a that was a really good one, wasn't it? I, I should have thought of something like that. Brett, yeah, good on you, I'm, buddy. I'm the creative one in the group. It's okay. <laughs> you really are. Uh, we are a weekly book club podcast uh, where we talk everything books and books related. Um, and then once a month, uh, we go over a book that we had chosen. This is that week. This is book week. I love book week. Um, what book are we talking about, fellas? American Gods, Neil Gaiman, baby. Thanks, Dan. You're welcome. Um, before we talk about American Gods and Neil Gaiman and all that goodness, would you guys like to catch up with some short stories? I guess so. I I guess. I'll, Does Brett have another freaking grocery store disaster story for us? No, 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 no. I, Dan, you specifically told me, and I hope you remembered. You said, "Remind me to to tell the Dan story," and yes, I want to know what the Dan story is. I can't tell the Dan story yet. It relates to American Gods. Ooh, man of mystery! Okay, so I see. Yeah. So it's mid, it's a mid episode. It's a mid episode Dan. Mid episode Dan story coming up. Stay tuned. God, it I'm is on the edge of my one. seat. I'm not going to be able to do this episode. I'm just thinking about the Dan story. God, it's a good one. I've been thinking about the Dan story all week. <laughs> um, Brett, how's your week? Yeah, how was your week, Brett? It was good. Um, I went to the grocery store. God dang uh, nothing it. really happened. Okay. So, Do you go to a different grocery store? No, I went to the same one. Uh, yeah, it was pretty normal. So. Any out of towners there? Unfortunately, not. I was. I kind of was just like. You know, just hanging out around the registers to see if I. Brett could hangs a good story. out for hours waiting for a good story. <laughs> that's that's like where that's where my best short stories come from. So I'm just yeah. trying to get more material, you know. But no, yeah, it's it's been good. Um, I did want to shout out to uh, my mom. Uh, I just found out yesterday she got a new cat. Yay! Which is cool. What's um, its name? I think she said the name is. I guess from the where she got it from the shelter it was tiger was the name but she's gonna change it to um to linda's cat yes um she's a big fan of pearl jam so i think she was gonna name him eddie vetter who is the lead singer of pearl jam so shout out to my mom shout Shout out out to linda and pearl jam cat i want to see pictures of this cat we will post Uh, on our social media i have one right now so i'll send it to you and i will request more Oh yay! Um, and as I find out more details, I'll let you know. But uh, because yeah, so friends loves animals, that's a fact. Yeah, listeners, if you send us in your animals, we'll post them and we'll we'll give you a shout out. <laughs> that's our new yeah. segment, Animal that's of the, the Week. New... I'm down with it, honestly. Send us Wait. pictures of your pets with books on top of them. <laughs> Do we pick a pet them reading from a book. each book we read? Yeah, <laughs> pet per book. Okay. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And I obviously, you know, American Gods was the book, uh, and I'm still reading Oathbringer. I put that on pause for American Gods. So gonna get back to that today. That's lovely. I think our main goal of the podcast is to make sure Brett doesn't finish the book he wants to read, and we just keep tossing other books at him. Well, American Gods was so big; it was a meaty. It book. was a big book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go uh, just in piggybacking off of that before I get to my short story. What I'm reading this week was nothing else besides American Gods because yeah. it was it was taking up all my time. 
the thing, my my short story, I want to tell y'all about an, a thing that I went to, a thing that I did, or that we that Maddie and I did. Um, so Maddie messaged me while I was at work, and she said, "Hey, would you want to go to this book and wine pairing at M Judson's, Ooh. which is one of all of our favorite bookstores, local bookstores in Greenville? Look it up, support them, M Judson's. They're amazing." Um, and I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And she was like, cool. It's Wednesday. I just bought tickets. I was like, awesome. And then she texted me. She was like, Hey, actually it's tonight. I read the thing wrong. We're going like, <laughs> go home and get ready. And so I had to like scramble to go home and get ready. Um, but we went and it was, it was just so lovely. We just like the, the premise of it is they give you like a little, there's like a sign in sheet if you've signed up and then they give you a, like a card with all the books and all the wines and you go and at each table, there's someone who presents the book and the wine and you taste the wine. And then you hear about the book that they're talking about and why they decided to pair the two. And if you've signed up for the event, then you get one. Like, I mean, it's a you have to pay to like go to the event, but you, you get a book. So you get to go to like six stations and hear about these books uh, and then take one home with you after you have had a little bit of wine. And it's a lot of fun. Um, and also, awesome. also, Brett, wink, oh. uh, there, there was a, a girl oh. there who was like, hey, you should really bring your guy friends because there's not enough guys who come oh. to this. And I was like, I was like, all right, I, I pick up what you're putting down. Like she, she wanted some, some more fellas that, a you know, obviously weren't married so that she could, you know, flirt it up book style. Mm-hmm. And okay. Brett, you came to mind immediately. So... Okay, well... The love of your life is waiting at book and, and wine pairing. Just, yeah, hit me up with those tickets, man. We'll, okay, we'll, we'll I, go I, dude, time. I will buy you a ticket. I, actually, I do want to go with the both of you. Yeah. Okay, what if we... What if, as a as a promise to uh, that employee at M. Judson's, we just, like, try to get as many guys as we, we can to go to the next... Guys, I, I want to bring 50 guys. <laughs> so we're going to turn it into a sausage and wine pairing? <laughs> Oh, Brett, you're better than that. Okay, so I'm going to cut that. <laughs> I want to leave it. I want you to leave it. Oh, man. Um, I don't want to downplay how great this was, and I'm making y'all come with me next time. Oh. I would love to. Um, So uh, I don't really have a short story for the week. I usually don't, which may be a bad look into my life. Um, But I do want to talk about uh, my newfound love over the past year and I've talked about it before but so much of my life recently has been uh revolving around soccer and I never thought it would be a soccer boy but here we are and so here we are. um a big part of my weekends now has been watching Premier League soccer and I've been having a ton of fun with it supporting Leicester City the team I randomly decided to support but also Greenville our hometown has their own soccer team and I keep getting tickets to these games somehow. And I don't know how they kind of just show up. And so Nicole and I have been going to a lot of Greenville triumph games. Yeah, dude, together we triumph together. We triumph. And then Atlanta about two hours away from us has their MLS team. And I'm going to a United game for the first time, which I'm super excited about. I think Parker's been to a few. I've only um, been to the one, but it was fantastic. It was so much so fun. The the whole point of me saying all of that is to say that we have a friend here in Greenville uh, named Nick. Shout out to Nick. He'll never hear this. Shout out. 
He hates I, listening to podcasts. He hates listening to this. He hates us and he hates books. Yeah, hates us and books. Bad combo for him. Um, he's a huge soccer fan. And so I'm going to a United game with Nicole and Nick and my mom and my mom's friend. It's going to be us five in an Atlanta United game. And then we're going to go out and like get dinner together. I and didn't I'm know very, Christy was going to be there. Christy is making the appearance. Yeah, All right, I'm, very I'm coming. For this. Yeah, t- tickets are still there. Brett, I don't know. I, I don't know if you got your ticket or not. Uh, but you should check that out because you can party with Christy and the gang. And then what I'm reading, I, I started American Gods this week. I'd like to start the book, pick books pretty late so they're like fresh on the mind. Um, but it was a lot bigger book than I thought it was going to be. And so I had to read like 150 pages a day to finish this thing on time. Um, so yeah, just American Gods. And now, perfect segue, let's talk about American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Uh, did, I mean, did any of y'all, did either of y'all bring a quote? Uh, I think these are all Brett's. I brought uh, one. Two of them. Two oh, of them are mine. Brett brought one for me then. Okay. Dan, because you gotta, you gotta get dude, behind I quote of the week. I can't remember are, quote of the week. Hey, I can't be on, do be it. Be honest. Be on, do you hate the segment? No, I like the segment. Do you I want, just do you never... want the segment to be buried, killed and buried? God, yeah, so bad. Oh my God, I hate this thing. Okay. No, it's great. I just, I literally, Brett, when we got on the Skype call, Brett was like, oh, Dan, do you want to add your quote of the week? And even then I was like, I can't believe I forgot this was a thing again. Oh, Lord. Uh, so how about you two read your quote of the weeks? So um, I brought two. The first one Dan also liked. So we're going to say that one is for Dan. Thanks. Um, it's a really short one, but it was a scene that I like laughed out loud at. Um but when Shadow is going through the woods after he escapes the train, um, I guess, spoiler alert, 54321, um, he's talking to one of Wednesday's ravens who's like guiding him. And uh, the raven talks. And so he says, hey, say nevermore, as in a reference to Edgar Allan Poe, the raven. Um, and the, <laughs> the raven just looks at him and says, fuck you. And like a really... <laughs> I was doing the audiobook, so it's like a fuck you is like the voice that he says it in. Which I thought was hilarious. Because Gaiman does his own audiobooks, right? Does he do this one? This was the tenth anniversary, so okay. they had like a whole voice cast. So That's this fun. was like um just like a ra- I guess it was he was an like a miscellaneous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it was a celebrity crow they got for this line. Yeah. Very good line. Um and my second one, a little more deep, um, uh, it was a uh, he. Shadow mentions it at the end of the book. Um, he, he's ta- it's a he references um, a quote by Her- Herodotus, who is a, a Greek philosopher. Um, and the quote is, "Call no man happy," said Shadow, "until he is dead." Ah, uh, yes, a, a light-hearted, sweet quote from the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a reference to like. Um, and I, I like at first glance, it's like, oh shit, that's like dark, but it's like a, you know, you can't take a full accounting of happiness right? until yeah. a person's full life is like laid out in front of you, like start to finish. You can't see if they've like achieved their virtue, like if they've achieved their goals, which I know can be like subjective, um, which is totally fine. But I just thought that was an interesting it is it is quote. a good quote i'm just messing with you i mean it's, oh, it's no, yeah, pervasive throughout the story as well so yeah. i think it's pretty like thematic with what the book is trying to say um right. i i brought one that's a little 
uh more lighthearted it was it was a very fitting quote you've brought yeah you know i just felt like it was it was right on the money Mm -hmm. um it uh it's it's when he's in lakeside that's the name of the town right lakeside yes yes Yes. and uh the, the quote is what i say is a town isn't a town without a bookstore it may call itself a town but unless it's got a bookstore it knows it's not full in the soul and I just I like Parker's 1920s. I could do it. Do you want me to go, do you want me to go more? What what I say, a town isn't a town without a bookstore. There, it may call there. itself a town, but unless it's got a bookstore, it ain't fooling a soul. I do you want me to There's get more gold in them hills. That was, that was good. Southern. The first that's kind of that's light. kind of how I, I read it, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Lakeside is in Wisconsin, right? Ah, uh, yes. OK. Illinois. So do I need to adjust to a Wisconsin accent? Yep. One more oh, go. Yeah. It's not a bookstore without a bookstore, eh? <laughs> That's pretty good, Brett. I'm just going to let Brett run with that one. Very good. I, oh, I, I think it's in Wisconsin. It may be in like Illinois. I know it's in like the north or Midwest. Yeah. Okay, let's... Okay, okay which which quote are we picking? Let's, let's pick a quote. Let's be good about this and pick a quote. <laughs> I love the um, bookstore quote. I love a local bookstore. Yeah, we can do the bookstore. I love okay, that. let's do, let's do the bookstore. I already talked about M. Judson's. Also, Traveler's Rest, another town near us, has a great bookstore called As the Page Turns. Support your local bookstores, listeners. Lots of good ones. Okay. Um. Well, that's a good one. Then we can now move on, Dan, nice. to talk about the book. Okay. Um. Usually we do a spoiler-free, very quick summary of the book before we get into discussion. Would either of you like to do a summary, or would you like me to just Knock it out real quick. I'll take it. Can Knock I it take out it? in like 30 seconds to a minute. No, I, yeah. I am. That's literally my plan. Yep. I'm going to take yep. this book summary. All right. Hit it. So this book follows the protagonist, Shadow, after he gets out of a stint in jail where he then encounters um, a a god and his also his wife dies. Um, and then he is gone. It, he, he is brought onto this big adventure where there is this foreboding war of the gods, the old gods and the new gods, uh, that's kind of like uh, overhead, like it's it's pervasive throughout the story, like a storm is coming situation. Um, and then Shadow is an errand boy for this story going all over the United States, and it is trippy and weird, um, and it's him trying to figure out what's going on. And that's that's my synopsis. Is that good? But he's not paid to ask questions. But he's not paid <laughs> to ask questions. And I wish he was because I yes. or I wish he was given any answers because Man. you know who also has questions and doesn't have answers? Hey, you're not paid. I'm not paid, but I've got so you. many questions. I have a lot of questions too. Um okay, that's so good. that's good. That's good synopsis. Yes. Now we're in now we're in full spoiler territory. If you've read along, uh or if you haven't, who cares? Just <laughs> Just going forward, this is this is all spoilers ahead. Uh, this book was weird. This book was weird, right? <laughs> this was it was a weird so book. weird. Um, I don't know what to think about this. Can we? Okay, so so right off the bat, I I just want to say, um, I I liked the book. I don't yes. think I'm smart enough to have understood or appreciated the book in its full. Can I say that? I feel like that's kind of where I fall with this book. Is I I like it. I don't know. That it was for me because either one of two reasons why, um, and we'll talk about both. One, I don't know that I was smart enough to grasp all of the references and all of the significance. Two, it's very nihilistic in nature. Um, I think that's kind of a pervasive theme throughout the story. 
And yes. I am like at my core an optimist glass half full type guy and i like reading about more happy stories and i don't think that that's what this was trying to tell yeah that i I, which is not a which is not a fault of the book but that is to say um that's i I don't know that it was that i was necessarily the best audience for american gods yeah i i completely agree on that point that i was just gonna make the exact same point like before like an asterisk above anything I say is like, I understand that there's probably so much stuff that just went over my head. Um, but like from my perspective, like you said, I liked it. Some parts did drag a little bit Yeah. when it was, it was almost like the way that I thought about it was like Neil, like I love when authors like to paint the picture, but sometimes in certain parts I was like, I was like, Neo, the picture isn't that big. Like, you don't need to paint it <laughs> over and over again. So it was just yeah. Put him on. Put him on blast. Put Neil Gaiman right on blast. Rim I'm not apart. putting it. Tear, I'm not tear, putting anybody hey, on blast. Hey, Brett, tear him to shreds, dog. Um. So that was just my only thing. Um. My kind of review over the book is kind of what Parker was saying. I just don't think the book was really for me. Um. It's it, it caught me off guard. It's really not a linear book. Uh. Like. I don't really know what was added because we all read the 10th anniversary edition, but there's some added text kind of scattered throughout the the whole thing. Um, But it seemed very nonlinear. Like you get the snippets of like the coming to America chapters, which um, felt like the added text to me. I don't know if they were or not, but those were very strange and like kind of jarring a little bit. They're jarring. Yeah, that's a good word for it. It's almost like you had your, your running plot and then scattered throughout this whole thing were many like short stories, right? Um, as just more backstory to these these gods and pantheons that were uh, but throughout I, the whole thing. Some of the interludes were like super interesting once you gathered who they were talking about yes. because they, he sometimes it was like not really explained to like halfway through. You'd be like, okay, so that's who this is referencing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like as a whole, the... I did love the building blocks of the universe, like the the lore and mythology behind it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my favorite parts of the book, like the highlights for me, were the the reveal of the gods as you were going through. Like, I yeah. I got super hyped to... Cause I, so most of it was Norse mythology and like Egyptian pantheons were kind of where a big collection of these were from. Like... Uh, Horus and Thoth and Loki coming out at the end. All all that stuff was really fun to me. So, and, and I want to talk about, so, so it's an, an interesting, the, the uh, I guess the pacing of the book was interesting, but the section that was titled, I'm pretty sure Mike Ainsel, like when they really get into the lakeside stuff. And they I slow down a little bit. adored that section. It and was, there were, yeah. Th- there were parts of it, and th- this goes again back to me feeling like, maybe I I just am not smart enough to understand because it much like um, kind of how shadow was like, just like in disbelief of what was going on. There was so much that was unanswered or confusing or hard for me to grasp as a reader. And I felt desperate to get to something that I knew something that I could relate to. And Lakeside felt like that for me, right? It felt like the breath of fresh air in between all of this, like, 
really overwhelmingly like larger than life stuff with the gods and the you know them going but like backstage and um you know seeing these miraculous things uh and so when it got into like a more real world setting and had these characters that more or less were not as influenced by the divine or were the divine i felt like i was drawn to those chapters Mm -hmm. and excited to see you know what was going to happen with those characters uh which i think is interesting and i want to ask y'all specifically uh what y'all thought of shadow as a protagonist because i like shadow as protagonist i want i want to hear y'all's thoughts uh you disagree (laughs) I didn't dislike him, but I don't know if he added a ton for me. Yeah. If I'm being fully honest. Because, sure. like, I think Shadow as himself is fine, but a big thing I'm looking for in books is how the main character interacts with, like, those around him. Yeah. And I don't think there was a ton of that where I was actually that interested in. I, my favorite parts, kind of like you said, Parker, are Lakeside. I love Shadow and um, Sam. No, uh, was it Chad? Yeah, what yeah. was the chat the cop the, those are like my favorite sections of the book because it was just more human interaction and kind of like building blocks more on this character and what he's like but for a lot of the book they actually mentioned it near the end i was like man shadow doesn't really like ask a lot of questions which is the whole thing right you know don't ask questions but he just really doesn't and he doesn't seem to care at yeah, all yeah. about the stuff that's happening to him like yeah. he just takes everything on the chin and at the end of the book it, there was a short paragraph of about like hey man like you're really taking this in really well <laughs> like are you good and his whole thing was like well after you know everything with laura i just don't care that much anymore right. and so that was like his whole his whole thing. So so when I was reading this, even in the early chapters, I was thinking Shadow might be the most agreeable protagonist right. that I've ever read. In the sense yeah. of like, anything could happen. Anything could be thrown his way. And he's just kind of like, yep. Even even to the to the very point of like Laura's death, he w- and he was so numb to it, right? Yep. And I think um I, I think numb might be a good word for shadow as a protagonist in the sense that i feel like he is going through this book in the same way that i was going through this book which is there's all of this stuff thrown at you right stuff that you can't explain stuff that's too big for you stuff that you're kind and and you just kind of have to take it in stride yeah um I, i don't know but i i did like shadow though and i think my favorite so I'll, I'll get to my favorite scene in particular um is uh the the one with sam when sam was first introduced when he was mm-hmm. hitchhiking with her uh or when she, sorry when she was hitchhiking with him rather um and they went to the the small like restaurant together or whatever and he did the the coin trick where he essentially said like heads or tails and whoever wins you know pays for dinner or whatever and he intentionally threw the game right he made himself lose and he was like oh you know you you don't win them all or whatever and i i just liked that there was these small through moments where even though shadow was numb and even though he had dealt with all of this stuff this trauma um you know and he was kind of you know taking backstage in his own life he was he was kind-hearted and that part of the book that part of shadow in particular is what drew me in the most. I, I loved yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is a good time. I'm going to tell my Dan story now. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Here's I'm the dance story. So a big section of the book is Lakeside. It's the, the kind of normalization for Shadow while everything else is going on behind the scenes um, before the big like climax at the end of the book. Big yeah. climax is a, is a phrase you could use for the end of the book, I guess. Um, so uh, in Lakeside, they do an annual fundraiser uh very creepily put and this is used in so many things and every time i hear it it creeps me out but uh for the children that's used in like anything that's a fundraiser in media yeah uh it's for the children where they have the clunker and the clunker is a car you put in the middle of the ice and people uh pay for time slots of when the clunker is going to fall through the ice and whoever has the correct time slot they they win the clunker for the year. Was there a prize? I can't remember. I don't, I don't five hundred dollars. They win yeah, like five hundred dollars, I think, yeah. if you have the clunker time slot. So in my hometown, which fun fact is on Lookout Mountain, where the climax of this book ends. And um, so I live on Lookout Mountain, is where I was raised. Dan grew up in Rock City. I grew up very close to Rock City, um, to the point where the chapter that said rock city on lookout mountain i was like oh you can see seven states from rock city and the next line was like the billboard about seeing seven states from rock city and i was like oh god i don't want to be here <laughs> so anyway my hometown uh the, the high school near my my where i grew up has an annual event where people pay for a slot um and what they pay for, imagine like a giant like uh, bingo board and it's put on the football field. So, you know, there might be 50, 50 squares on the football field. Each square has a number and you pay for a number. You can pay for multiple numbers. Um, and the goal of the fundraiser is they put a cow on the football field and everyone oh sits on the bleachers watching this cow for hours and uh, is this a school class do they do this during school <laughs> so it's called the cow drop and if the cow Damn. poops on your number Damn. you win a prize Damn. <laughs> so you pay for a spot on the field and if the cow poops on your spot you win Damn. I, do they that play is... football in a cow pasture is it actually <laughs> the reverse and they just put some chairs out in the cow pasture oh Damn. Yeah, what's up? You're, you know, I love you. I love, I love I you so dearly. Are you good? Because sometimes you tell me stories of your upbringing, and I'm like, there's no way. There's just, there's just no way. And so, um, everyone watches this cow until he poops. Did you ever win? I've never won. No. Do you still, do you still do it to this day? You go back just for the. I don't. Event? I don't go to the cow drop fundraiser now. I don't actually know if it's still being done. I hope it is. Can we just shift this podcast to be about like stories of Mintone and weird nope. weird things that you've told us? <laughs> nope. You get one story every like 50 episodes. Oh gosh. Okay, well that'll keep us on the hook. Our listeners on the hook as well. Yeah. So Um okay, yeah. well that was that was a great Dan story. Thank you. That's I'm glad one. I know about that. Do you do you think that it was actually a ritual to sacrifice? Like some like there was some sort of ritual sacrifice going on there. I'm yeah. I'm sure the cow eats a human person before he goes out in the field. Okay. Real question: Do you think you think in Neil's travels around the United States as he was writing this book, do you think he came across? I 
Man, I hope so. Neil came across Mintone and was like, this place is too dark to even put in my novel. <laughs> Mintone's a beautiful town. Everyone go to Mintone, Alabama. It's really pretty. All right, let, well, let's let's <laughs> bring it back uh, to, um, t- uh, to discussion. So there's a question here. I don't know which one of y'all wrote it up, but I really, really like it. Uh, and it's talking about how American Gods is written pre-social media. And how do you think the landscape would look today with like the new gods um, versus, you know, Neil's story when he wrote it back in, I think, 2001, I want to say is when it was written. Yes, yes. Um, So So I wanted to add on to that because my main, one of the main like sub points of that is, and we can just talk about the, you know, the main, the main question first, but. Do you so the new god of media is one of the the like I guess most powerful new gods is featured a lot throughout the book. At the time, you know, it's mainly the new god of like television and radio and stuff like that. But like we said, pre that was pre social media really. So now with that, with the new god of media in his novel, be the old god of media. <laughs> yeah. Since there'd probably be like a new god of social media and Pinterest right. and all that kind of stuff. Do you so think that? I'm... Do you think that Twitter is just a giant demonic bird that screeches over and over and over and over and over until it slowly drives everyone insane? Right. I, that's yeah. what I picture Twitter yeah. as. It's it's really a demon. Um, so. I thought about how it might not necessarily become the old god of media, but I think if the book were written today with the same kind of premise, it wouldn't be old gods versus new gods because all of the new gods would just be fighting each other all the time anyway. Oh, that's actually such a good point. You have so many different forms of like media that don't agree with each other, right? That you would just have like, new gods at battle with each other with the twitter demon bird screaming in the background just squawking and in its own echo chamber there's a billion of them and they're just saying the same (laughs) things from two different sides of the fence and you're in between going insane there'd certainly be a god of cryptocurrency um so he'd probably be and he's a he's a douchebag frat boy that you knew in high school and he's trying to tell you that crypto is the future Oh, this is a new fun game. Let's just create the new gods. <laughs> Let's create uh, the, the new gods. Yeah, he's a he's a the, total Chad. Uh, the yeah. TikTok new god is an eighth grader that makes fun of you. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> it get away knows from all it. of your deepest, darkest insecurities. Uh, <laughs> yeah, insecurities. <laughs> um, God, there's so many. I guess you could do. <laughs> there's too many new gods now. It is. It is fascinating though how on the money he was with uh, like his, his critique of the new gods. Um, some of the old gods said it, but like they become antiquated and outdated faster than, you know, anything. And I think that's, uh, again, a critique on America or just not even necessarily America, but just like new culture and how, um, you know, people used to, I feel like used to cherish things for longer. Oh, hundred percent. And now our attention spans have gotten so short um and how like you know we we are constantly seeking the next like you know thing to stimulate us or entertain us and that will become our obsession until we're bored of it that you know within 
five to ten months and then we hop to the next thing right um there's well i mean there's infinite things you're not we're never gonna run out of things now right yeah which which i feel a lot of conviction about because like i i have i don't know if y'all have experienced this um but there's been a lot of times i think of late it's it's gotten worse too and this might be because of like working from home has kind of driven me this way um so we're gonna have some real talk here for a minute buckle up um, but like there will be days where like I'll wake up and I'll immediately, you know, get on my phone. I'm playing Wordle. Wordle's the new god. <laughs> um, and Wordle's definitely a new god right now. He only um, speaks in five word. Yes, exactly. And he's always words. quizzing you for the next word. And if you don't get it right, you're killed immediately. Uh, it, so, But then, I'll, you know, then I'll get to my computer and I'll, you know, have my phone open. I'll go on TikTok. I'll, then, then immediately I'll put in my AirPods and I'll put on some sort of Spotify, either podcast or music. And it almost seems like this unquenchable desire to be distracted. Yeah. Because the idea of not having something entertaining me 24-7, even if there's stuff I need to do. So, like, for instance, even if there's work, it's almost like my brain can't be comfortable enough with just focusing on one thing which i know is unhealthy because like multitasking is not a real thing right but that i think that's what it is is like there there's a lack of the ability to like sit with quiet or sit with myself yeah um and i think that there was definitely a little bit of a critique with that with the new gods but i think that i i I mean is is prevalent now i don't know if that is the same for you oh no here we go all right it's that's real talk real talk time now um it's scary because the things that we do to make our brains not quiet and to give us like peace of mind that we feel like we need to be distracted by, generally a lot of that stuff are things that cause anxiety where the cure for anxiety is kind of like the curse, right? Like you get in this circle of like, oh man, I'm really anxious. I'm really stressed. How can I fix this? And you pull out your phone and you, you know, I go on YouTube and watch YouTube and like, it kind of like shuts my brain off. So I'm not thinking about stuff, but it also doesn't help me like actually deal with issues in life or, you know, move past things I'm struggling with or stressed with. It just puts a bandaid on it, but it's also the thing that like causes a lot of people anxiety. I mean, like, Social media very much is not a healthy thing, but it's something that I can't not look at, right? Like I'm I'm very attracted to social yeah. media. And guys, and th- this is what I'm saying when I think like, and I, I, I don't know if it was his exact intention and maybe I'm overlooking it or overthinking this, but like Shadow's agreeableness as a yeah. protagonist, I really think was, or, or, you know, at least in my opinion, how I read it or contextualized it was Neil Gaiman's critique of Americans just kind of like, doing that thing right dan where you're looking for distraction or not mm-hmm. not i don't know because it's not like he was looking for distraction but you're kind of just moving from thing to thing yeah without necessarily asking questions or right. why we're we're becoming the people from wally oh god <laughs> <laughs> it's happened um okay well let's uh, so i want to ask you guys this because i've kind of like poked around it a little bit but what did y'all what did y'all take away from the book or what did y'all think that american gods was trying to convey and was it successful so i think um what it's trying to convey about america which is a super interesting that we've touched on a little bit um 
is that we are, and I feel like they almost outright say it a couple times, or at least Wednesday does, um, that we are unoriginal in a way. Like, you know, we're often described as a melting pot, but we are like everything we have, every other god is brought from another place. All of these gods and the new gods are the ones that are created here. And they're the, obviously like a lot of the old gods aren't, great but the new gods are like the villains and the enemies and the evil ones of the story um and then also all of the gods experience manifest destiny so it's just like the i guess the the inward thinking of america and that like we are owed everything and everything belongs to us and we're gonna take it kind of mentality because that's how like the new gods think of the old gods it's like we're taking over and the old gods are like no we want the power we had like this belongs to us and again at the heart of it like nothing none of it is like originally american yeah does that make sense yeah no i think that's good um and i god i would love to ask neil gaiman some questions about this book but there was at the end a, a scene with shadow and mr nancy when everything's said and done and mr nancy asked him he's like well what'd you learn and Shadow was like, I don't know. And he like yeah. kind of talked about like that was literally his response. And he kind of then he kind of touched on like, you know, some things that he had wished he had learned and, you know, that but it it felt like that for me where I th- there was obviously a lot in this book. It was a hefty book. Um, but I don't know really what I took away from it. Um, but th- there was one thing that I did think was interesting was that there wasn't that much representation of a good or kind god but there was a there was a constant theme of like the gods were only only created from human belief right they were they yeah. were on, they only existed because of belief and so i don't know if that was necessarily a critique on america or maybe if that was just a critique on mankind um like humanity in general um, but I, I do think, I mean, of course, there, there was, there's a few examples of, of you know, the gods and, and some of them that were, you know, helpful or less destructive yeah. or maybe less selfish. Um, but there wasn't a lot of kindness or goodness throughout the story. Um, and I also don't know if that's maybe a, a, um, a conversation about how, like, belief can sometimes make people do really bad things and how because i i think shadow said something at the end of like you know i don't want to be a god i just want to be a man um and i i don't know i don't even know i i feel like my head's still spinning a little bit yeah um kind of while we're on the topic of the different characters uh brett had a question here about what uh kind of tip of the cap to a god that was mentioned um uh I play a game that the, all, all the characters are based on gods from different pantheons. And so all of these names, I was like, oh, there's that guy. I like him in this game. And like <laughs> all of their abilities are based on like whatever they like in mythology. And one of my favorites is Ratatasker in the game. And so he shows up at the end. Um, Ratatasker is like a Norse mythology uh, uh, deity. And he's a messenger. He's a squirrel that delivers messages from on on the world tree where shadows hung guys Uh, this is absolutely i knew it i knew it i'm not smart enough for this book thank you dan this is 
God, I knew I'm just I, this. This book is probably so good if you're oh, just yeah. intelligent. If you were like a like Greek historian, just like a historian in general, <laughs> but and that, you know that's a lot about part. mythology. Yeah, you have to know a lot about a lot of different pantheons, right, to get yeah. everything from this book. And so the one thing I got, so Ratatasker's thing is he lives on the world tree and he delivers messages from the eagles at the top to the world serpent at the bottom of the tree, which is why Shadow, while Shadow is hanging on the same spot, he keeps seeing Ratatasker run up and down the tree delivering his wow, messages. that's so cool. And so I, I, the way I took it is Ratatasker sees him there for a while and he's like, let me bring this dude some water because he has just been here forever. Okay, maybe... Maybe this book's like amazing. I think I know. I really think it is. I I think it is so good and so smart, and it's just too smart for me. Yeah, same. Yeah. And maybe a little too nihilistic for me as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that part stands. Um, yeah. I I can't imagine how much I missed. I I want to look up like a like a list of Easter oh, eggs yeah. in this book. That's um, a really good there's, idea. There's probably I'll probably so do that I after this recording because yeah. I am really curious, especially now that you mentioned that about Radatasker. Radicate. I also did have a thought uh, about uh, kind of along the same lines as the one from earlier about like the gods of today and like pantheons and stuff, specifically to like Odin and the North Norse pantheon. Um, so I'm sure everybody listening has seen or heard of uh the marvel cinematic universe <laughs> the what uh but i just thought it would be interesting and in my head i was like man if y'all had just waited like 15 <laughs> years you would have been just until 2012 powerful. rolls around and you got marvel's avengers coming out loki would have been you'd so be strong the most powerful you've ever been like all all i'm saying is if it, this book's ending would have been uh, uh, Thor coming, Thor back to coming life. out of the Bifrost in the way he did in, <laughs> in um, Wakanda. Infinity War, yeah, yeah, in Wakanda, and him just swinging around that hammer and right. bashing up Loki and Odin for being just absolute like bullies this entire book, that would have been phenomenal. I would have been okay with it. Right. Do you think they would cast Mr. Wednesday in the MCU? <laughs> Yeah, that's what, like, and, I wonder... And Loki Lysmith instead of uh, um, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I just thought that was just an interesting way to think about, it. like, man, if you had just waited, you guys would be, like, R.I.P., they mentioned Thor, like, that's Unaliving a sad He had, like, a sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it was really sad. I was waiting for Thor to come in. Same. I also had a theory, like, well early on that Shadow was Thor, and then that didn't pan out to be true, Dude. but it wasn't far off. So Apparently, Brent has something on this, yeah. Apparently he's based on, I did some research after the fact because I had the same thought of like, okay, so he's Odin's son, but which, like, who is he supposed to be? And apparently he's supposed to be Balder, who if you've played like God, the most recent God of War game, you'll know is, is a part of that. He's basically like unkillable um, and like invulnerable except for mistletoe. Like well, he, mistletoe is his one weakness. Oh, okay. Um, what? Wait, they, they mentioned that in the book. I didn't know that was his thing. They mentioned yeah. mistletoe in that the book. That was Loki said that that's how he would kill him. He would stab him through the, the eye with mistletoe. Oh shit! Then yeah, I guess that's an exact direct reference. There's the direct oh, okay. reference. Shadows again. That's man, cool. Man, I bet if you're at all educated and smarter than me, this book would have been so good. Yeah, and th I mean, God, there's so much in this with like the dream sequences where I was like, I don't know if that's true. Like 
symbolism for something or if it was just like dream logic right. and i'm sure there's so much stuff that i just like wasn't smart but that that makes so much sense yeah brett thank you for revealing that i think that's where my point about and again i we put an asterisk on it i think that's where my point about dragging came in is sometimes i was just like so completely lost and i should have said oh, it that yeah. way because i think it was more that i was just lost yeah um but yeah so again maybe let's just read a bunch of mythology and then revisit this uh, in a couple of years and then know everything and and not sound dumb that's a that's a fantastic idea for us to not sound dumb <laughs> oh, this book was definitely too smart for me that's that's all i know i will say Final the conclusion. Um, the end stuff oh this is this is also going to make y'all laugh at at my own idiocracy um Henselman, uh yeah. The, yeah. the guy and the 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 pagan god in lakeside that was having the sacrifices done um i thought early on when he was first introduced i was like i bet i know who this is i bet this is santa claus don't know why <laughs> i can't i can't explain why god. but i was like i was like oh. for sure for sure for sure i got this one this is santa they're doing a like a week you thought you snuck one past me i, I thought yeah, i was like neil gaiman i get what you're doing here you got all these cool gods and goddesses and then you're gonna throw santa claus a classic c.s lewis if you will um yeah and i was i was like so sure of it and then at the end when it was revealed i was like oh man that's so much cooler than what i thought um <laughs> Oh man, Neil Gaiman should be a writer. Um, oh man, Neil Gaiman wrote Santa Claus in a really weird way. He took him in a different direction than what I thought. But I would have. Yeah, yeah, that's a. It, uh, oh, but but sorry, back to that. My last point on the book: if if the entire book was centered in Lakeside about the mystery of these missing children it and him been. finding out the reveal that it was Henselman at the end, I. I could have read 500 pages on that, and I felt like it was not given its day in the sun. It would have been When the Stars Go Dark, the book we read a but, year ago. But with a mythological twist. Right, so, right, And I think yeah. this is probably like appealing to, again, the dumber side of me um, <laughs> that likes, you know, just like butter, popcorn, you know, good entertainment. But like it, it read a little bit like a supernatural episode where yeah. there's like a mystery going on in a town, Literally. like a town that's like taken care of because like while well, all the other towns around it are going like to shit, and then you find out that there's like a pagan god like deity monster intervention, mm-hmm. and then he has to stop it. At the end. I was like all about it. I really loved that whole bit. Should we wrap up? Yep. Wrap it up. All righty. Um, so, listeners, thank you so much for reading along. If you did, uh, we hope you enjoyed Neil Gaiman's American Gods. Um, uh, please send us in your thoughts. Uh, you can reach us at our Gmail account, which is at bookendswithfriends at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram at bookends underscore with underscore friends and Where? TikTok at bookends pod. Where we'll be posting a poll for our May book yeah we will so look out for that and so this this is fun so we kind of all agreed um i think as you can tell as, as it was no surprise listening to this episode that uh this book was a little too big for our brains our three dumb dumb brains so we're taking it the opposite direction and we're gonna go we think with a ya or middle grade read um since we haven't done that yet for next month so what we're thinking, listeners, is in between three books, do a little reread um, slash like reading it as an adult for the first time of uh, uh, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief or 
C.S. Lewis's Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, or uh, Anatomy, A Love Story, which is is completely different. That one's just a, a newer book that came out this year by Dana Schwartz. Yeah. Hit us up with those votes. Let us know what y'all would want to read, what y'all would be interested in us talking about. And also, thank you to Jacob Robinson for our wonderful theme music. And thank you to Maddie Mood for our wonderful um, art and cover. Sweet. That, that, that's it. We did it. And remember, the real gods were the friends we made along the way. Oh, I don't think I would be friends with any of them. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't be friends with any of them. They all seem like jerks. Except for Easter seems okay. <laughs> all right, that was good. <laughs>